Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 5 o'clock hour of the Burns and Gambo show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader on this Tuesday afternoon. Scheduled to hear from Andrew Whitworth, former Rams offensive lineman, prime video on Amazon, Thursday Night Football analyst, former Super Bowl champ with the Rams. We'll hopefully get a chance to catch up with him in this segment as the Cardinals get ready to take on the Saints on Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. And it should be noted, I should point out, um, on moments like this, in case you're not an Amazon Prime member, the game is still televised on a traditional broadcast outlet on Thursday night. So if you're worried that you're not an Amazon Prime person, you're not going to be able to watch the game. They make sure they make that game available for the local market. So if you're not Amazon Prime, you'll you'll be able to watch it. Don't worry. I'm Darren Urban of AZ Cardinals pointed that out on Twitter, Gambo. So we don't have to worry about that in case you're not Amazon Prime. We've yeah, good news. Things. Good yeah. news. Yeah. Yeah. With Whitworth, uh, he's a star. Like he he's going to be a star. He's yeah. good. He's funny. Calls guys out. Called out Tom Brady for missing a practice the other day. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, no he, he I, I, I like, I like some of the personalities that they've put together on that Thursday night broadcast. Ryan Fitzpatrick is good. Andrew Whitworth is good. Of course, you know, Richard Sherman's going to do the Richard Sherman thing. So, so there's that. So hopefully we get a chance to catch up with Andrew Whitworth because I'm really looking forward to talking with him about what's going on with this game. In the meantime, let's talk about what Kyler Murray had to say earlier today, um, in terms of the state of the offense right now. He, uh, first, DeAndre Hopkins is back, and he talked about that today. Be good. Be great. Yeah, just uh, having him out there today, you can tell his energy. Um, man, he's, uh, it, it seems like every time you see him, you know, out on the field, it's like there's a reason why he's, you know, he's the best, you know, and um, I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, excited to be able to throw him the ball again, you know what I'm saying? Never took that for granted, but um, man, I'm just happy for him. Uh, no, team, team is definitely you know appreciative of having him back. So. But as he cautioned, and as we've been cautioning all week, just because you have D Hop back doesn't mean that fixes everything. No, I don't. I don't think it, it's not. It's just not. You know, doesn't. It's not a miracle thing that just you know everything's you know gone. We still got things we got to be better at. Still got things we need to fix. Obviously, having him back definitely helps. Um, but we still got to be better in all the areas that we're you know not good in right now. Aren't you just like? So curious to see how different it looks on Thursday when he's back. Yeah, there's a part that, you know, there's a part of you that, you know, if he's if, if he if it doesn't look that much different, it just goes to show you how broke this offense is. Right, exactly. And if he does come back, it's like, my God, I've never known a team to be so reliant on one person in my life. Uh-huh. Like, if they light it up for 30 points and he has a great game, it's like, man, I, I mean, the, the fact that they're so reliant on that one guy is crazy that, you know, but he is, listen, he's a great player. Um, but the inability to figure out how to play without him is, I mean, it's that, that, that could be the downfall of a lot, of a lot of people in this organization if they can't figure out how to play without him because, you know, you can't always rely on a guy being there. You just can't. No, especially, I mean, it's the NFL. I mean, guys get hurt. It, it, and so to think that, look, I'm looking forward to it. I don't want to, 
But I, I also acknowledge, as you've pointed out, if they do just suddenly play great because he's back, that solves a lot of problems, but it also kind of creates some problems. And it creates a conversation of reliance and over-dependence and, and you know, just how much you need to have him around, not just to make you know your offense great, but specifically to make Kyler Murray great. Because, I mean, look, it's you know, we can point to a lot of things when, when stuff started to go south for the Cardinals, but pretty much the great Kyler Murray games pretty much ended when DeAndre Hopkins wasn't available. Because remember, uh, Kyler got hurt, and then when he got back, that's right around the time D-Hop got hurt, and D-Hop tried to come back a little bit, but it didn't really work all that well. You you can almost directly trace Kyler Murray's struggles to when he lost DeAndre Hopkins, and if, if Kyler needs one guy on this team to make him that great, that is not... That's not what you're looking for out of your franchise quarterback. You're looking for him to elevate guys around him and not be elevated by one wide receiver that he may or may not have on the roster. No, and they've gone through great lengths to make sure that they've got had a great wide receiver room and tight ends for Kyler, right? I mean, trading for Ertz, re-signing Ertz, drafting a tight end, trading for Hollywood Brown, drafting Rondale Moore. Like, they have gone to great lengths to give Kyler Murray, signing James Conner, D. Will, to give him these incredible weapons to make it be like, okay, you should be able to play without the Andre Hopkins. We've given, like, look at all the weapons we have. And they haven't been able to do that. And that's the scary part is, like, they really have. I mean, think about everything that they've done to make sure that there are weapons all over the field for Kyler. And he just can't seem to figure out a way to get all those guys involved in the game plan. Yeah, more from Kyler today on the struggles of the offense and what he called the outside noise. Yeah, I don't, I don't really worry too much about it because, I mean, the, the people on the outside don't really understand, you know, the uh, the nuances and stuff like that of the offense and what's trying to get done. Um, they just see the results. If it's not good, you know, I'm getting I'm getting talked about. He's getting talked about. Uh, that's just the nature of the business. That's the nature of the game. So um, everybody on the outside doesn't really, you know, it don't it don't matter. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in, in the grand scheme of things, he's right about it doesn't matter. I mean, nothing matters except what you know what when they the guys that take the field finding a way to get a victory, right? Because this is a wins and losses business, success oriented. So that part doesn't matter. It's not true that people don't know what's going on. There's a lot of people that know what's going on, um, it, but a lot those people can't fix it. The only people that can fix it are the guys that are in that locker room. Yeah, and and Kyler, you know, a lot of conversation about play calling this week. Um, in fact, we found the old cut. Uh, Yesterday on the Wolf and Luke show, Cliff Kingsbury had said, yeah, I'm absolutely open to changing play callers. Definitely. It's something we could certainly look at. He was a guest on the Scott Van Pelt podcast two years ago on October 27th of 2020. And he was asked the question then, what would it take for you to relinquish play calling duties? This is what he said two years ago. I would I would retire. I just that is <laughs> part of the game. I, I couldn't just right. there and watch it. A lot of people are great at that and managing games and that's not my strong suit. My strong suit is calling it and, and interacting with the quarterback. And um, I got to play to my strengths. 
I'm open to anything that, that helps us win and score more points. So um, we're going to see where everything goes. But yeah, whatever it takes to win, I'm all for it. The first cut was two years ago. The last cut was, you know, a few, uh, a day ago. Y'all are trying to get clickbait. No, we're not trying to get clickbait. Uh, no, no, not at all. We're just trying to say that obviously things have changed, right? When you're, when you're struggling yeah. as bad as this offense is, obviously things have changed in that regard for Cliff and how he kind of views himself and his place in this offense. When you've had the struggles you've had, you got to look at everything. Like, is it me? Like, is it me? I mean, maybe let, let's, you know, and you go back to last year. We, we talked about it yesterday, the game against Cleveland, in which he was out with COVID, and, and Whipple called the plays, and Kyle threw four touchdowns, and he scored like 37 points. And it was like, uh, something clicked there. I mean, do you go back to that again? You're not going to do it now on a short week, but, you know, if you fail again this week, look, you, 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 you're trying to, this isn't, and this is an ego oriented business, I get it, but sometimes you got to put your ego aside and figure out, okay, if I got to take a step back from this thing, I, I got to take a step back and and figure out how I can help this team in other ways and you you hire you know you hire good people around you so that they they can help you you know the you don't hire people that don't know what they're doing just a bunch of yes men you you hire quality coaches that have the ability to assist you and and if if, if they feel like they've got a good staff you should be able to lean on that staff and of course Kyler was asked about the play calling thing with Cliff today here's was here's his response he would give up the play calling so that this offense can get going and win some games. Do you think someone else should be calling the play? <laughs> Come on, Doc. Come on. <laughs> Good. Now, of course, it's it is not in Kyler's best interest to say yes to that question, right? It is not a, it is not in Kyler's best interest to say, you know what? As a matter of fact, I think we should switch play callers. That that becomes a national story. That becomes a holy yeah. crap! Did you just hear what the quarterback said about his own play caller and his own head coach? So you know, Kyler, but he, you know, that's a pretty that's a pretty strong defense of like, man, I'm not even going to answer that question. Just dismiss it out of hand. No, I don't think we should change play callers. I'll be curious to see how much more conversation there is about that after Thursday's game. Uh, the, you would have a chance, Bernsey, because now you'd have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. You know, you'd have all this time. Now, your bye week's not coming up for a while, but, you know, they call this the mini bye. You would have more time to get ready, you know, for something like that. But I, th- I think it goes further than that. I think if they get ridiculed and they get beat up by New Orleans, then, you know, we come here on Friday and we're going to be we're gonna be sitting there looking at our phones and trying to figure out is, is, is Cliff Kingsbury still a coach, regardless yeah. of the contract, regardless of the contract. If they can't figure this thing out, I, I think before we go to do they need to switch the the, the, the play caller, you might go to the, they need to switch the coach because something's something really broken here, and even with the return of Hopkins, they haven't and figure it out. And then you know you factor in that you know we, we how many times did we look at the date and say oh it's the New Orleans game if they keep losing home games uh, the New Orleans game is the one that would take it over a year. You get to that point, you know that's 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 a huge embarrassment. Yeah. For the organization to go a whole calendar year without winning a home football game. When we come back, Cam Johnson did not get a contract extension yesterday. How did he react to that today? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It was funny to have Mikel Bridges on the show earlier today because he made it sound like 
he was more mad about Cam Johnson not getting a deal than Cam Johnson was about not getting a deal. I didn't understand. I thought he deserved it, and we don't want to let him have a chance to even have a chance to leave. But he kind of described it down for me. He's more calm and relaxed than me. I'm more on the other edge of like, why don't my board get paid? You know what I'm saying? Seeing other guys get paid. But he kind of calmed me down. Once I saw him relax, I'm like, okay, I can relax. <laughs> Mikel keeping it real with us earlier. I love that answer. That was good. Oh, yeah, because I have a chance to, you know, grow up together and play together for, you know, for all these years. And those guys are super close. And, um, you know, a big part of the Suns' success was the, the drafting of Mikael and then the drafting of Cam Johnson. You know, Mikael was drafted by Ryan McDonough and Cam was drafted by James Jones. And those two guys have really blossomed together. So, yeah, I think we all had our eyes on the, the contract extension and whether it was going to get done. And the fact that it didn't is very disappointing because it gives us a year of uncertainty. Yes. It really does. I mean, we cannot say with certainty that Cam Johnson will be back with this team next year at this time because not having the contract done, we just don't know how it's going to play out. Yeah, and that's why yesterday was disappointing. And, you know, not knowing exactly how things went with the negotiation and exactly what dollar figures were exchanged between the two sides, it's 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 disappointing because we, we went through this. We went through this a year ago. We, we uh, on deadline day a year ago, we were so excited. Mikel Bridges got Got taken care of good. DeAndre Ayton didn't. And that kind of led to stress and anxiety in the fan base about, okay, what's going to happen and how's it going to work? And and it, it could be something as simple as Cam Johnson plays great as a starter, gets a great offer sheet, and the Suns match it in two minutes flat like they did last year with DeAndre Ayton. And, and maybe it's that simple, and that's that. And it's just sort of, a, I was reading an article about this during one of the breaks about, hey, you know, just go out there and have have a good year, and if you've earned it, and if you play great as a starter, you know, you'll get rewarded either by us or by us matching an offer sheet from somebody else. I just, the, the fear is that by not controlling it, by not signing him to a fixed dollar amount that you know what it's going to be, it's the unknown. You know, it's that nine months from now, eight months from now, he's going to get an offer sheet from somebody, and the Suns might look at that and go, ooh, yeah, too rich for our blood. I, that That's that's the uncertainty I wanted them to avoid. I wanted to know cost control, cost certainty, he was locked in, because you let this thing wait until next July, somebody could sign him to an offer sheet that you might just decide is too much money for Cam Johnson and you're not going to match it. That would be very disappointing. Yeah, if you don't trade DeAndre Ayton, right? Because we still have this... Jan- so now we have a lot of dates to look at. We have January 15th. Are they going to trade DA? Are they not going to trade DA? We have the current situation with Jay Crowder and then you have after the season's over, you know, do you do a... Because the possibilities are a sign and trade for Cam Johnson. He signs a restricted offer sheet and leaves for nothing, which is always the least likely. Or the Suns match an offer like they did with DA or they just sign them on their own, you know, before anybody else does and they get a deal done. It's just, but, you know, I, I, I don't like the uncertainty. Uh, I really don't. I'd rather have certain But the situation is what it is. They weren't able to get a deal done. He's betting on himself. The cap's going to explode. And he's betting on himself that he's going to, whatever whatever the son's best offer was, he's betting on himself that he's going to make a lot more money than that. Yeah, and and, and I'll be honest with you, if he has a typical Cam Johnson type season, I mean, if he goes out there and he does Cam Johnson things, I think think he will will get that from somebody. And and, uh, look, the Aiton situation's a little different. Aiton eventually got a max contract offer 
offer from the Indiana Pacers, but DeAndre Ayton plays a position that not everybody values as a premium position in today's NBA. So there weren't as many suitors. Cam Johnson doesn't have that problem. Cam Johnson is a shooter in a league that loves shooting. And I think as long as he continues to grow and shows that he can handle the load as a starter and continues to grow as a two-way player, man, I, I, I don't think... Now, I thought a year ago there wasn't going to be any shortage of DeAndre Ayton suitors either, and I was wrong on that. I just think his skill set in today's NBA, I think there's going to be a big, big market for a guy like that. I, I hope the Suns have the willingness to match, even though that means the new owner, whoever it's going to be, is going to go deep, deep, deep into the luxury tax to make that happen, because that's kind of the price of doing business. When you draft well, when you have players you want to keep, it gets expensive, and the Suns are quickly finding that out with guys like this. Yeah, I mean, you just look, Duncan Robinson, you know, his contract from a couple of years ago, Kennard's contract, but those contracts from a couple of years ago, even Mikhail last year, it's it pales in comparison based on what guys are going to make down the road. I mean, I mean, I asked Mikhail, do, do you did, if he regretted <laughs> if he regretted getting that deal done last year and not playing it out to maybe make more money this year? Yeah, and yeah, I don't have I mean, the cut, but he said no. But he also knows he probably could a little made a little more money if he would, right? Right? You right. know, and maybe a lot more money. Yeah. Maybe a lot, right? Maybe a lot more money. Can you imagine if Mikael Bridges was a free agent? How much he'd make on the? Oh yeah, he. Uh, I think a lot more than ninety. Yeah, but every year that goes by, it's not that. The, it's not that like Cam's a better player than Mikael. It's that he's hitting the market after Mikael. Right. Which is it's a, the market. It's what, not the. Sometimes it's not the player. It's it's what this is what the market is. Like what, Kyler Murray hitting the market at this time compared to guys that hit it two three years ago, what, or the guys that are going to or Lamar Jackson, and 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 Justin Herbert and some of these other guys and Burrow. These guys that are going to get paid down the road they're going to make more they're going to make more money than Kyler did. Yeah, which is kind of another reason why I wanted the Suns to sign Cam Johnson because it it you can you had a chance to get him on a deal even though it might have been a little more than you wanted to pay right now that I'd be willing to bet 2 years from now would look more like a bargain. You know, like you go, okay, we signed him in the offseason of 2022 and here we are 2 years later and the way the cap has gone up, man, what a steal of a deal we got Cam Johnson on. It might not have felt like that in the moment, but you Years later, you might realize that you got him on a heck of a deal. So, well, I, look, I'm not. This to me is not like a deal breaker for the season. It's disappointing. I wanted the certainty. The Suns are still in a position of extreme power here. They can match whatever offer he gets. Just a question of the new owner, whoever it is, and their willingness to go there. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we've tracked him down. We found him, and we're going to talk some football with him next. From Prime Video and Thursday Night Football, Andrew Whitworth joins us next on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns, hanging out with you on this Tuesday afternoon. We're about 48 hours away from the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, taking on the Saints, a game that's going to be televised on Amazon Prime. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, a member of the Prime Video crew, Thursday Night Football analyst, former Super Bowl champ with the Rams, talking about Andrew Whitworth, who's joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Andrew, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show. We appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Dave and Gambo, appreciate you having me, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. Congratulations on a successful transition. You guys are a lot of fun to watch on Thursday Night Football. Looks like you guys are really enjoying each other's company at halftime and postgame and everything. 
Yeah, you know what? It makes it easy when you love the people you're working with, and I think we hit it off pretty quickly. I mean, Fitzpatrick and I played together way back in our careers, uh, long before some of his journeys uh, at the quarterback position. And then, uh, you know, Richard and I had a lot of competition over the years in the division, out of it. Um, you know, always thought they were both tremendous players. So it, it hit it off really fast for us, being guys that just currently got out. And then, obviously, when you get to work with Tony Gonzalez, the Hall of Famer himself, uh, it makes it pretty easy and pretty cool to be on sitting on the, on the set with him and Carissa has always been amazing at what she does so it's, it's been a fun group to sit on that uh, booth with and we seem to have a good time that's for sure and we're just getting started we can't wait to keep loosening it up We've been yeah trying- now you're listen you're a rising star there's no doubt about that usually it's the quarterbacks or the the wide receivers or the tight ends but having the big left tackle offensive lineman come in and be great in this it's fun man I'm happy for you and we're enjoying it Oh, I appreciate it, man. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, there's not there's not much out there for the offensive linemen getting a chance to talk about the game they love and the passion they have for it. And I know really from our perspective, I mean, you think about it in the game, I mean, probably the quarterback is, is next to, you know, they're first and we're probably second as far as who needs to know the most on the field all the time on the offensive side of the ball. So it's, it's going to be fun to kind of be a part of that. And some of the guys have gotten into it. Uh, to represent the big fellows. I can't wait, man. Bring a little juice, a little energy, and have a good time. So from your perspective then, as a former competitor, as a former division rival, what, what we've been trying to get to the bottom of it. What is wrong with the Cardinals' offense right now from your perspective? Yeah, you know, you look at it. I mean, it's it's one of those things I can even remember playing them. It's, it's like, you know, you see them move the football. You see them do things, you know, well in a good clip. And it seems like when they get a first down and they kind of get a groove going, and it's almost like, you know, like that bowling ball. Once it gets rolling, they're kind of tough. And then it, it just always seems like there's a red zone issue there. Like there's just something they end up, you know, some kind of thing where you self-inflicted wound, something you make a mistake on where you get down to the red zone and you just don't end up with touchdowns that back up all the yards that you're producing every week. I think for me, it's really how can they hone down on how can we be more efficient in the red zone, you know, not give the ball away, not have negative plays down there that back us up. Because when you get inside that 20, inside that 10, the space is limited and the defense can condense things. And so you you can't have negative yards. You can't have negative plays. And the bottom line is you need somebody to go make a play. And this week, if they get DeAndre Hopkins back, there's your guy to go make that one-on-one catch because that's what he's always been able to do. And that's what you need in the red zone. And you really see in offenses across the league that don't have that guy. They seem to struggle unless they can come up with gadgets and run plays that work down there. You, you played them three times last year, Andrew. And then for the first time in a long time, they actually beat you guys. They beat you pretty good. The other two times you yep. you handled your business. But what do you remember about about your loss to them? When they beat you guys 37-20, it was kind of early in the season. That was their fourth game they were four and oh you guys were undefeated going into that game too but what do you remember about why they were so successful in that game against you well, I think you look at it. I mean, outside of points, the number one factor in the NFL of whether you really win, lose games is turnovers. And we turned the ball over twice early in that game, a fumble and an interception on our first drive and yeah, and one of our first drives. And so it, it really, when you start behind the eight ball against them early in the year, it just seems like the Cardinals play with an extra speed and tempo to their offense. And you see some of those things come out that catches defenses off, off a little bit. And they were able to do that to us. We turned the ball over. They were hot on offense. And then 
we just couldn't get it together and kept kind of doing the exact thing I talked about with them, just self-inflicting wounds, penalties, things were backing us up, just inefficient football. And I think to me that that was one of the best I've seen them play, and you really saw them that year. That got them going. And then as soon as they lost DeAndre Hopkins and really he gets out and you lose some of those, hey, I got a guy, I can just give it to him. It doesn't matter if he's covered or not. I can give him chances. It just started to take away the confidence. And people would be shocked how much confidence and momentum really matters in the NFL. And and it's just you can just see the difference in the teams that are playing with it. And it seemed like last year when they lost him, the confidence went down and it snowballed into things where they started playing less efficient. It's something they were already doing well. And right now, now, I don't. I feel like they've moved the ball. They've had some moments, but they haven't truly found that swagger and that confidence that exists in their offense when it's rolling at its best. No, their offense is completely broken, and we're shocked here. Like, how could you be so reliant on just one player? And especially when you knew early that you weren't going to have Hopkins, how do you go the entire offseason and not really devise an offense that could succeed without him? That's the thing that's just baffling us here. It's just they, they've got three points in the first quarter of all these games this year. They cannot get going early in games. Yeah, and this offense is really built on the ability to start fast is what they were doing so well. I mean, you look at Cliff's first couple of years with them and with Kyler, it just everything with him has been these early explosions. He's always been able to kind of get off to quicker starts and that kind of, you were like, oh man, this whole day could be like this because he gets confidence and he gets that, that swagger going and then, and then they just start keeping that tempo going on you. I mean, that's always what you're worried about them is if they get their tempo, they get first downs, you know, they love to get up on the ball and speed it up on you. And so I think you really look at it just for whatever reason, they just have not been able to come out and be on all cylinders and firing and and I think you look at Kyler it's like he's starting to use his legs even more so I would say and not trusting some of the things in front of him and it's just how do you get the quarterback confident to just let's convert let's make some plays early in the downs of of getting the ball out of my hand and not having to roll on my legs but get that confidence and the belief to trust my receivers trust our, our routes trust the things our coaches call him and for Cliff to keep working for things that are helping them be successful early you know you see a couple teams across the league that are struggling you almost it's a common thing first quarter they're getting behind immediately Andrew Whitworth from Amazon Prime Video, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, Thursday Night Football Analyst. Being a, an offensive standout for as long as you were, I'm curious to get your, your perspective on this. There's been some talk the last day or so about the play calling and, and whether Cliff would be willing to to give that up in an effort to spark the offense. He said yesterday on our radio station that absolutely that'd be something he'd consider if he thought it would help. Given your background as an offensive player in this league, how difficult would that be at this stage in the season to transition to a different play caller on offense if that's what they decide to do? You know, I think it's tough for me. You know, it's like I've had different callers. You know, obviously been with Sean. I've been with a bunch of guys in Cincinnati that we had from Jay Gruden and Bob Radikowski and Hugh Jackson. Um, A lot of really good guys. And and I think the tough part of that is, is when you think about you're having a negative season, I know fans are like, hey, give it to somebody else. Give them a try. But if you really think about NFL football, it's, it's about every week being willing to take on adversity and go have success together and believe in one another. And I don't know if it creates the right light for the guy who's calling the plays to say, you know what, I'm going to step out of the way in this adverse time and kind of put it on somebody else. I think it's almost like, hey, if you really think that if he personally thought, I'm just not seeing it, I'm not feeling it, I think it's a personal decision. But I think from a team perspective, it's like, you know what, I'm right here in it with you. I need to improve. 
you guys need to improve and I'll be better for you. And, and I think that, that it's one of those things he almost has to hunker down and just say, I'm in this with you guys. We've got to all figure this out together and let's keep moving forward and find a way to crack through this adversity together. Let me ask you about the struggles of your old team, the Rams, with Matthew, with the interceptions, the the offensive line, the amount of sacks that he's taken, different team without you, without OBJ, without Von Miller. What are you seeing as the with the struggles of your former team? Yeah, I mean, you look at their health up front, it's been horrific. I mean, you really, you know, I mean, the last couple of weeks, they, they even played with the center, Jeremiah Colonna, who I love to death, but, you know, is a guy who was on practice squad, really never on the roster much, and honestly had never taken a snap with Matthew Stafford until he got entered in the game with a second center going down a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it's one of those things that as soon as you start to lose that camaraderie up front, the, the cohesiveness of the communication, all those things, and then his interior guards, both guys beside him getting hurt now all of a sudden you got new guys all over the place the communication you're limited as a play caller as a quarterback you're about there he's gotten shelled over the last couple weeks i mean i don't know who can sit back there and have a whole lot of confidence and let's be real they're built to drop back pass and sit in the gun and let matthew stafford throw the football and when you can't do that because you're not protecting the quarterback it just creates a lot of what in the crap do we do now because this is how we've built this offense and you know them not having a running game you know it's not been good it's been it's been awful in the running game but that's not really who they built themselves to be and so it's like almost you can't blame them for not doing that because they took an approach to throw the football a lot and so far because of the linemen getting hurt and being beat up up front it has not been productive for them to sit back in the pocket and try and throw the football andrew really appreciate your insight thanks for coming on for a few safe travels and uh, we appreciate it hope to catch up with you again Hey, I appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew Whitworth from Amazon Prime Video, Thursday Night Football Analyst, former Super Bowl champ with the Rams, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. You can text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line is open for you right now at 620-620 here on the Burns and Gambo Show. When we come back, Gambo is a happy camper. His baseball team advanced today in the playoffs. We'll get you an MLB postseason update next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? All right, what is on tonight? Well, you got a couple things. You've got game one of the National League Championship Series on tonight, on right now. You can actually hear it on ESPN 60 if you're so inclined. Phillies and the Padres game one of their series. Heck of a pitching matchup. You, Darvish, and Zach Wheeler. So far, it's living up to exactly that. Neither team has a hit yet so far as they're through two innings. You, Darvish, has struck out two. Zach Wheeler has struck out three. They've each walked one, so each team has had a base runner, but that's been it. It's been a very pitching-heavy game one of the NLCS so far. I think this is going to be a heck of a series. I, I really do, and it, it helps that the Phillies are as hot as they are right now yeah. with their top hitters all performing really well, but I, I look at this matchup. I think these are two pretty even clubs in this one. Yeah, and, I, and again, I love that it's the five seed and the six seed. The one's gone, the two's gone, the three is gone, the four is gone. I mean, 
five. It's the five and the six seeds. Yeah. Have you? And um, yeah, I owe you lunch because I took the Dodgers and I gave you the field. And that bet never works, by the way. We're taking the taking the, the field always wins over taking one team, doesn't it? Yeah. It usually it does not work very much. Yeah. It's funny. There have been some people now, not me and not you. There have been some people who have complained that this new format is too easy for teams like the Phillies and the Padres to knock off teams like the Mets and the Braves and the Dodgers. Like here well, we are. Too bad. I, that's it's what better I, than well, one game. Well, it's better no. than just one I, game. I, and I, I also think that just sort of ignores the history of baseball. I mean, especially recent history. I mean, that ba- everybody knows that the baseball playoffs is a lot more like March Madness than anything else, man. In a seven-game series, in a five-game series, anything can happen. Anything. A guy can get hot. A guy can get hurt. A guy can go cold. Fluky stuff happens. In fact, I looked it up. The team with the best record in baseball since, I mean, you're talking 1969 since divisional play began. The team with the best record in baseball won the World Series 14 times in 52 years. That's like one out of every four. I mean, this is this is the baseball postseason. It's it's like crap, crazy crap happens this time of year in October. You never really know. So, yeah, there's just some complaints about, man, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Braves, they all won between 101 and 111 games and neither none of them can reach the NLCS. It's like, I'm kind of with you. It's like, yeah, tough. That's that's baseball. That's how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot better than just having one game. Like, here's one game. Winner take all. And you you know, you pitcher has a bad game and you always, if you lose the first game, it's still, there's still a chance. I think it's fine. Yeah, I, I really good. do. And I think it's good for baseball. You can't always have the top seeds win. It's good that a, a five, those are good baseball teams. Yeah. It's good that a, the Padres are a good team. The Phillies are a good team. It, it's good that, that, that those teams have a chance you win a you know you win a, a five game series and here you are playing for a chance to go to the World Series. Now that said, it was straight chalk in the American League as the Yankees, yeah. the number two seed, ninety nine win Yanks, beat the Guardians today by a score five to one in a game that happened earlier this afternoon. Uh, and there were homers by Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton hit one, uh, big single by Anthony Rizzo as well. They gave him a five one lead. Um, Excuse me, Nestor Cortez pitched very well, five innings, gave up three hits, just the one earned run, and the starting pitcher for the Guardians lasted all of a third of an inning before he was ultimately removed from this game. A bad decision by Terry Francona not to go with Shane Bieber today, I thought. Yeah, saving him for, for tomorrow, and it was no tomorrow. And I know, you know he had it coming off of an injury from last year, but still, like that's your best chance to win. And there is no tomorrow. I mean, if you could say, hey, I'm not going to expect you to go eight innings, but can you give me five and keep me in the game? Listen, their offense got stymied anyway, so they would have had to win a, you know, like a, a one nothing type game. They, so, but still, you want to go out with your best pitcher, not a guy who had an ERA close to five and went five and six on the year. Yep. And then there's also tonight, I should point out, is opening night in the NBA. It's a doubleheader on TNT, the return of inside the NBA on TNT. All of them signed new contract extensions. I saw, by the way, that Charles Barkley's extension. Um, ten years? Ten years, somewhere between 100 and $200 million. Jeez, making more now than he ever made as a player. <laughs> Seriously, by far. Not even close. Not even close. Well, Mitch, I saw a headline somewhere. He apparently was quoted as saying there's a 0% chance of him actually completing all 10 years. Oh, he's like 59 years old. He talks about retiring when he's 60. Now, that's probably not going to change now, or that's going to change now with his contract the way it is. Um, but, but, yeah. Hard to walk away from all that money when you're having fun, right? Sure is, and they, they do 
have fun. It's it's still the best show. We even had a guy tweet us earlier today. Hey, um, Inside the NBA is about to come on. Will you send me your show sheet so I know when to listen to you and when to watch Inside <laughs> the NBA? Like, yeah, no, it doesn't really work that way, but we appreciate you listening to us when you can, for sure. Um, halftime of the first game on TNT, the Sixers and the Celtics are tied at 63. I'm looking at the box score right now to see who's doing what in that game. Uh, James Harden's got 22 at the half for Philly. He's already hit four three-pointers in that game. Joel Embiid has 11. Tobias Harris has 14 for the Celtics. Uh, Brown's got 18. Jason Tatum's got 16 in that game. So there's that one. And then later tonight, the Lakers taking on the defending champ, Golden State Warriors, in the nightcap on TNT. So a lot to watch tonight. Some good stuff. It's started the end. And then tomorrow night, you and I are going to be down at the uh, Ainsworth, right across the street from Footprint Center for the Suns opener against the Dallas Mavericks. Also nationally televised game. Devin Booker and Chris Paul, a chance to go up against the team that knocked them right out of the playoffs a year ago. Yeah, I mean, how excited are we to just get this season started and see what's going to happen? And, you know, I just think that they, they, at, right out of the gate, what do we say? They've got, they got Dallas, they have... Golden State, they have I think they have New Orleans like yeah, they they've the got like a gauntlet. They got, they got the Clippers right out of the Oh, their first 5 games Gambo are brutal. I mean, it's just brutal who they have to play. I'm just pulling it right, up right. Right, now. but you get a game. Now listen, I don't know if it's a be-all end all, but it's a pretty good indication of how your team's stacking up and how they're playing and everything like that and you know, mainly just, you know, again, it's not about getting the best record. It's about, you know, making sure that you you are peaking at the right time when the playoffs start, whether you're a two seed, a three seed, a four seed, no matter what it is. So I I will be watching very closely how Monty uses his bench, how the substitution patterns works, and again, just continue to be fascinated that, you know, we're, we're, we're three plus weeks and, and no resolution on, on Jay Crowder. That is crazy to me. It's, nothing has happened. Yeah, me too. Home against Dallas, then at Portland at the LA Clippers on Sunday, home against Golden State next Tuesday, home against New Orleans next Friday. That's their first five games right out of the shoot. And then in the coming weeks after that, in the coming days after that, they've got a game against Minnesota. They've got a game against Philly. They've got another game against Golden State. They've got a game at Miami. They've got a game at Minnesota in the first three weeks of the season. They play Golden State twice, Minnesota twice, Miami, Philly, the Clippers, and the Pelicans, and the Mavs. Tough start. Really tough start for the Phoenix yeah, Looking forward to being down there tomorrow and being at that game. Absolutely. We're out of here. We'll see you there tomorrow straight at 2 o'clock right here. Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.